Support for the Big O Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped. It's time you join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using the code THEBIGO20 at manscaped.com for 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. It's 3N out the window with all other trimmers. Now go tame that Wildcat offense. On today's episode, I am joined by Toronto Raptors play-by-play announcer, Eric Smith. We talk sports fandom, COVID tests, social media star Tom Brady, and sports movie announcers. All of this, plus much more, on the Big O Podcast. Welcome back for another episode of the Big O Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Manscaped, the world's leader in men's below-the-waist grooming. Head over to manscaped.com and use the code THEBIGO20 at checkout to get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. I am joined today by one half of your play-by-play team for the Toronto Raptors, the voice of the Rogers Cup this past summer in Montreal, and someone who is currently trying his talents as a social media artist with two (laughs) drawings already under his belt, the one, the only Eric Smith. Eric, how are you doing today? I don't, th- I don't think that'll ever make it into anybody else's <laughs> bio, so you, you can probably strike that one. But yes, I'm, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. And so let's kick things off. Obviously, right now, you're rocking the Buffalo Bills hat. You are a proud member of yes. Bills Nation. I'm just going to slightly move out of the way and show Ah, <laughs> Come on. And so... You know, you have lots to be excited about. Last year, the Bills had a great season. The one, the AFC East, got off to a slow start to begin the season, but look like they're rounding right into form. Uh, as a Buffalo Bills fan, you know how excited are you right now for your Buffalo Bills? I'm I'm, I'm very excited, and I would argue that uh, you know, and maybe this is the product of of you know being a fan of your team. You're never totally satisfied. It's it's the one team I will say just quickly, Julian, as a, as an aside, where um, at least I'm not going to lie. Is, is it beneficial for me or for my career and just for my sanity? If the Raptors are good? Yes. But can I cheer or should I cheer for the team? No, you got to be professional and, and impartial and, and whatever else. Um, you know, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't want to cover another championship or call another championship or, or cover a winning team. It's always better when they're winning. That said, again, trying to, trying to draw that line between fan and professional, et cetera. Same with baseball. I'm a Blue Jays fan. I, I, I've been a Jays fan since I was a kid. I can't get rid of, you know, 20 years of fandom as a child just because suddenly I you know, was lucky enough and fortunate enough to make it into this as a career. But I also have covered the Jays and done baseball shows. So I try to, at, at best, find that separation between being the fan and being the professional and trying to be impartial, et cetera. So I'm not like wearing the jerseys and sporting, <laughs> you know, the, the gear and everything else. Uh, like I don't even own a Raptors hat. Let alone, wow. you know, I, think, I think I do have a Jays hat, but I don't even know how much I wear it. Um, not a big soccer guy. Hockey, I was a Gretzky guy. I flip and flop between like, yeah, it's good if the Leafs locally are doing well. And I still sort of pull for the Kings. And I definitely am a Sabres fan. Again, going back to childhood. But I don't have much hockey gear at all. This is the one team, the one sport I've never really covered. Like, right. yeah, I've talked about it on talk shows, but I've never covered an event, never called football games, never been, you know, to to a Bills game or practice in a professional manner. I've only ever been in fan mode. So it's the one sport. Now, if I end up calling football games one day, uh, maybe I got to, you know, break those allegiances and, and, and go with the professional lines. Uh, but this is the one team, the one sport where I can still be just a fan. 
So I, I am, I unabashedly wear the gear and put on the hat and, and, and cheer and act like a, you know, a raging uh, lunatic, like most fans uh, in most sports uh, every Sunday. And I go with the highs and the lows. And anyways, in a very long winded way, what I was going to say to you was I'm still not happy, even at one and one. Um, uh, I thought that they looked shaky clearly in week one in the loss to, to Pittsburgh. And then even in 35 zip, I thought there were a lot of holes and a lot of dents in the armor. And I think that there's, uh, still a lot of a lot of room for improvement for this team, and uh, I think that's a good thing when you're kind of picking and 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 choosing and finding gaps and holes and and fault with a 35 nothing. That means you are a good team, and that you you as players and as an organization, let alone as a fan base, have higher expectations. And uh, hopefully, hopefully they can rise to those expectations over the course of the season, like they did last year. Now, what I'm about to say isn't meant to spread salt in the wounds at all, but I feel like is is your craving more, even from like a 35 nothing victory, does it have anything to do with the fact that like you your team has been to the dance three times in a row and come away empty-handed? Does that play at all? Four times in a row. Four times in a row. Four times in a row. Get to the big show and come away empty-handed and say, listen, like we know more than any other franchise that you could get to the to the top and still come away with nothing. So one and one to begin a season, 35, nothing against the Miami dolphins. There is still way more to accomplish. And I think I, I can't remember what athlete I heard recently say this. The only game that athletes want to win the most is the last one they play in. And for the Buffalo mm-hmm. bills team, they're hoping come February 24th this year, that they are hosting the Lombardi Trophy, is that realistically in the future for your Buffalo Bills team, the way they're constructed currently? Uh, you know, I, I think it is based on, uh, you know, I think they're a better team than they were last year. Uh, and last year they were right on the brink and, and clearly running into the machine in, in, the, in the conference championship of the, of the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I don't think there were many teams beating the Chiefs last year until, of course, Super Bowl rolled around and Tom <laughs> Brady did his thing. Um, but I, I look at this team and I think the offense is as good, if not better. And I think the defense is better, not even as good. I think they are better period. So I, I, I think that, um, they've got a, a legit chance to be there, but what I've seen so far in two games, um, I think there's need more consistency in the running game. They got a little bit of it this week with Singletary and Moss, but I think they need more consistency in the, in the running game to balance out, not having to rely upon. Josh Allen to do anything and everything every single game. And then Allen himself has looked, you know, I'm not going to say bad. I'm not going to say average. He's looked good. He's looked fine, but he hasn't looked all world like he did in most games last year. Uh, and I think that that all world is clearly still there and it will return and, and, and he will end up being, you know, one of the top three, five quarterbacks in football this year, yet again, they will be a pro bowler, et cetera, but it's kind of been like just a, it's been again, an okay start to the year. Uh, but if you want to be considered among the elite, you want to be considered a Super Bowl contender, a legit Super Bowl contender, then absolutely uh, there needs to be more from this team right now. And they need to show more uh, moving forward. So as a Bills fan, I got to ask you this. You're now a few years now removed from Tom Brady leaving the AFC East. In as, as honest an opinion as you could possibly have, what was it like when you knew Tom Brady left and was no longer going to be playing in the AFC? Uh, it was good. I'm not going to lie. No doubt about it. Uh, it. It was nice to to get him out of the division and and out of the conference and just out of sight, out of mind. And and I I, I will say I'm and maybe it speaks to 
uh, either my own age and maturity, or maybe it speaks to, again, kind of playing on both sides of the sports world as a, as a broadcaster, as a, you know, uh, as a fan as well. I can kind of take that fan hat off from time to time and try to look at it perhaps a little bit more impartially than some of the uh, more uh, rabid and fanatical fans. I've always appreciated and respected the, the job he did. It just sucked that he was doing it in the division that my team was in and, and, and that he was owning the Bills for as long as he did. But there's no denying his talent. I've never hated the, the, the man, let alone the player, because I respect the, the hell out of him and, and appreciate uh, the talent and the success. And I, and I think that that appreciation for his talent and success, especially at his age and, and, and everything else that you factor in, has um, only intensified the last couple of years. Because when you're doing it at 43, 44 years old, uh, and not looking like you've really skipped the beat. Uh, how can you not? How can you not appreciate what he's done? And he just seems like he's, you know, listen. We could get into and probably should avoid, but we could get into the political stuff and whether he, you know, who he votes for, or who he supports, and and all that stuff. And um, we could probably do that for anybody uh, in in every walk of life. But putting political stuff aside, it almost seems like even since moving from New England. He's developed a little bit more of a fun personality and he's a more active on social media and he's a little more creative and he's putting himself out there more. And I think that that has made him more likable again as a person and thus more likable as a player. And maybe it's also a lot of people just saying, hey, even if he has success in Tampa, as long as it's not New England, because I think that tie to New England was not just the success that the team had. And again, full credit for all their Super Bowls and all their success. But I think he was sort of. Again, this is just my opinion sort of guilty by association with Bill Belichick too, whether they were oil and water, whether they were actually getting along, whether, whatever it was. I think a lot of people just want to hate on Bill Belichick. Just and I've never talked to the man. I've never interviewed him. He just seems like kind of that grumpy curmudgeon that you didn't really want to cheer for. You might've appreciated the wins and the losses or the wins and the success, but you just didn't want to kind of root for that guy. And as a result, you didn't want to root for Tom because he was connected to that guy. And anybody on New England was connected to that guy. You obviously, as a Patriots fan, you just cared about the success. You didn't care about whether your coach was nice or or not nice or happy or sad or whatever. You just cared about the wins, as you should. But I think for those that weren't Patriots fans, it was like this guy, really, this this cutoff sleeve hoodie, you know, grumpy looking, disheveled, like whatever. I don't want to cheer for that dude. And as a result, I don't want to cheer for or even think about Tom Brady. And, and we've seen a different Tom, I think, since going down to Tampa. I completely agree. Tom Brady has been a, a different person. He has evolved social media icon, I might say, as far as athletes go, creating great content. I mean, got a little tipsy after the Super Bowl party or the, the boat parade and, and and owned up to it and laughed it off. And just you get to see a whole other side that we're used to nowadays with social media being the way that it is. And we celebrate those type of athletes. So now Tom Brady is getting a little bit more of his shine. I mean, he's the only quarterback in NFL history to win nine straight games uh, in a row of 30 points or more in all of those games. He did it twice with the Pats. He's done it now with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You only hate the people who are being successful. You don't hate the team that goes 16 and 0 because you don't want to pile on. But Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, uh, the the New England Patriots, Michael Jordan, the Wayne Gretzky's, they get hate on because they excel at what they do. And, you know, you're going to ruffle a few feathers along the way. The one thing I will say about Bill Belichick, though, is I spoke to Ian Rappaport uh, many episodes ago, and he said what he is like in real life outside of what he is in the press conference 
nicest person, caring, willing to have conversations, talk about your golf game, your fishing game, the name of your boat, really willing to do that. But when it comes to Sundays, as he says, do your job, put your hard yep. hat on, go to work. And uh, that rubs people the, the wrong way sometimes. No, and, and listen, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's why I noted as well. I've never spoken to the man, never interviewed him. So uh, I can't sit here and say what he's like away from the game. I only see what you and I see, what, what most people see on their televisions on a weekly basis or the odd time that I was at a Patriots game and what I saw on the sidelines. But having zero relationship, zero connection uh, uh, or knowledge in it, listen, not to get too, uh, you know, uh, big picture and, and philosophical and, and whatever else, but that's just kind of a good statement for life in general, right? You know, people, we, you know, especially anybody that's watching, that's a, that's a parent, but again, it's a, a philosophy, a feeling, a thought that we should all uh, adopt more um, in that we don't really know what people are like uh, away from their jobs or, or uh, what they're like in their private time and their personal time. We can't, or we shouldn't judge as I did five minutes ago, just based on, um, what they look like on television or how they act within their jobs. Cause there is a different side to, uh, to everybody. And like, listen, I'm, I'm a different, I'm a different person as a, as a broadcaster than I am, I'm sure as a father and, and not to say that I'm fake as a broadcaster or fake as a father, but if we all wear different hats, you sure. Uh, I'm sure as well. Like, and, and plus on top of that, if the last 18 months has taught us anything or whatever the hell it is now, 20 months, I think that, um, the stress that we've all been under, no matter your age, I don't care if you're five or 55 or 85, whatever your age is, the stress we've all been under, uh, I think mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, whatever it may be, uh, you know, we might have one good day and seven bad ones. We might have seven good days and one bad one. So we just don't know what people are going through and what pressures and stresses and heartaches they might have in their personal life or their professional life. So uh, hopefully we all can um, you know, kind of embrace just being a little bit uh, kinder and nicer and more understanding and whatever it is in, in every walk of life, whenever the hell we get out of this, let alone while we're still in this. It's football season, baby. And you know what that means? It means we're going for two with our sponsors for today's show, Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier. And it's time you join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using the code thebigo 20 at manscaped.com to get 20% off your purchase plus free shipping. The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is the perfect package for your perfect package and a key for a great grooming and hygiene routine to make sure your boys downstairs stay smooth like Tom Brady in the fourth quarter. Inside, you'll find their brand new Lawnmower 4.0, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Chair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, the Crop Reviver Toner, plus two free gifts, a Performance Boxer Brief, and the Shed Travel Bag. Now, the brand new Lawnmower 4.0 is here to take your defense to the next level. This fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor, a new multi function on off switch which can engage a travel lock and gives you the ability to turn that 4000k led spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave did i mention this trimmer is waterproof too rain snow or sleet they're no match for the waterproof power of the 4.0 there's no 15 yard penalty for this clipping 
Now this package also comes with the Weed Whacker. This elite nose, hair, and ear trimmer is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor powered 360 degree rotary dual blade system. This trimmer also has propriety skin safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in your delicate holes. After trimming your footballs, show the balls some more love with Manscaped's liquid formulations. The Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Ball Toner are here to take your ball games to the next level. Now we have an exclusive offer for the Big O's audience. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TheBigO20 at Manscaped.com. Manscaped has also thrown in two gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxer Briefs, and the Shed Travel Bag. So make sure that you head over to manscaped.com. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code TheBigO20. That's 20% off plus free shipping when you go to manscaped.com and use the code TheBigO20. Link is down below. Treat yourself and stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs this year with Manscaped. Yeah, I mean, and we're still in this. People who think that we're oh, out yeah. of this, like they are, they're sadly mistaken. I mean, I actually need some advice for you from you because early on at the beginning of COVID, you were part of what was considered almost a super spreader event when it comes to the early parts of COVID and the relation with the Toronto Raptors and the Utah Jazz. And you had to get tested for COVID. I'm going for my first COVID test tomorrow because I'm feeling very under the weather and I'm not taking any sort of chances right now. What should I be expecting when they try to biopsy my brain tomorrow? <laughs> well, first of all, uh, I, I hope you, uh, I didn't, I, you know, when we uh, established this and set this up, I didn't know you're under the weather. So you could have canceled and set up another time. Uh, that's play said, through the uh, pain. I guess play through the pain. And I and you can't make me sick through a, exactly. through a phone, I guess. So, um, but I hope I hope you're feeling better, and even if it's not COVID, and you know I would imagine it's not, or hopefully for your sake it's not. Hopefully you just feel better. Um, I'll say this: this is the best way I can describe it to Julian. Is is my um my mother-in-law is a now retired nurse, and she actually said this uh, almost a year or so ago, and I thought it was a great comparison or analogy. And anybody that's out there, I mean, almost everybody that's that's watching this or listening to this, whatever, I'm sure has had. I, I'm positive has had at least one shot or vaccine or had to have drawn blood or had blood drawn at some point in their life. Basically, all of us have had a needle at some point in our lives. So in saying that, my mother-in-law, her, her point was, it really comes down to the touch. It really comes down to the touch of the nurse, right? Uh, he or she. Like how many times have you had blood drawn or had a, a you know, it, it's to me, it's more about the blood drawn, the needles, whatever. The needle goes in and it's either going to hurt or not, or you have a phobia of needles and it is what it is. It's kind of in and out of your arm within three seconds and it's done. The blood thing where, you know, it's going in your, your little elbow pit or wherever they're drawing blood from and they're trying to find that vein and it's in there for maybe five seconds or 10 seconds and they're wiggling it around and you're like, oh, that hurts. Or like, and it really, does it really hurt? Or is it, you just don't like needles? Right. Or is it again, you get that nurse that just boom, slides it in and it's boom, boom, and it's in and out. And you didn't feel anything. And that other nurse, they put it in they're like, man, that thing kills and it's jabbing me. So that to me, again, was my mother-in-law saying it's that comes down to the touch. So I had, uh, I've had a lot of swabs um, for COVID because not only was I part of, as you talked about that, that 
potential super spreader with the the game against the Jazz right as you know Armageddon happened <laughs> back in March of 2020. Um, but last year during the um, NBA season, and we were broadcasting the games remotely, whether it be TV or radio, we were broadcasting from Scotiabank Arena. And I think most of your you know, viewers and listeners would know, at least Raptor fans would know, that the old practice facility at uh, you know, formerly Air Canada Centre, Scotiabank Arena, is on the third floor. It's right close to like Section 318, 317, right around there. It's just kind of tucked sort of, um, not secretly, but it, you, you wouldn't even know it was there, just under, un, unassuming these doors that are right by this you know, popcorn concession stand. And it's like you open those doors and boom, there's a full-size NBA court and workout room and whatever. Uh, and then, of course, when they opened uh, the OVO Athletic Center a couple of years ago, they didn't get rid of that practice court. There were some rumors that that might turn into a club or a restaurant or they'd repurpose the space somehow into offices or something, but it stayed a court. A lot of times guys will go up to get up extra shots in the practice court instead of doing so on the floor before a game. Or even if uh, an injured player who's making his way back will go shoot during the game and go up to the practice court or whatever. So it still does get utilized uh, by home and road team. So anyways, with us broadcasting in this sort of makeshift studio that was set up within the practice court, we were still going in and out of the building, the building that the Toronto Maple Leafs were playing in, in the, you know, in the midst All of the right. Canadian bubble, right? So because of that, we had to be tested before every single game. So, you know, last year, um, again, didn't matter whether it's TV, radio or otherwise, if I'm going into that building and I'm working, I had to be swabbed. So, I mean, I've been swabbed. And, and I was swabbed multiple times in Montreal when I was at the Rogers Cup uh, this summer as well. So I've probably been swabbed 75, 80 times uh, over the course of the last uh, year, year and a half. So really, you got nothing to worry about. Um, I would say that to anybody that hasn't had it. There's going to be somebody, I'm sure, that disagrees in the comment section or something and says it was the worst thing in the world. Listen, does anybody, I said this to my kid, actually, because he hasn't had one yet. I said, does anybody want, like, um, you know, here's a Sharpie. Anybody want this up their nose? No. No. <laughs> does, anybody, does anybody even want a Q-tip up their nose? No. Does anybody even want or should they even have their finger up their nose? No. But if it was up there and swirled around for 10 seconds, like, can you deal with it? Is it going to be a little bit uncomfortable? Yes. Are you going to be, like, dying in pain and keeling over and, and like, honestly, suck it up for 10 seconds Take a breath and know that for about maybe five or 10 seconds afterwards, you're going to go like, oh, <laughs> and you're going to be fine. You'll be totally fine and life will move on. So don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Well, I, I feel much better now hearing that from you. I, For me, it's just kind of like my wife got it when she was before we gave before she gave birth. She had to go okay. get a COVID test before entering the hospital a couple of days mm -hmm. before. And um like you said, uncomfortable, but after a few seconds, you totally forget about it. It's just one of those things where it's like, do I want to get tested? Do I not want to get tested? I have three kids at home. I have a wife who's breastfeeding. It would be super irresponsible for me, even though, because I've returned to a workplace as well. Sure. To absolutely. just say, hey, I'll take a couple of days and hopefully feel better. It might be a chest cold. It might be a sinus thing, but I'd rather just get tested. And anyone who doesn't believe in vaccinations or COVID tests or believe whatever they believe during these strange times. The last 20 months has obviously been something that, you know, is not the, the government's pulling the wool over people's eyes. People have died from this. So I'm just trying to do my part, my small part in being responsible. And uh, I feel like that's just the right thing to do. And 
I know you with all the COVID tests and, you know, making sure people vote or at least, you know, reminding people to vote. You've always been a very conscious person on topics when it comes to social media, always trying to do what's best for the group as a whole. Sometimes that ruffles a few feathers. But over the last 18 months, I've definitely been following along you on Instagram and on Twitter. What has the reaction been like for some of your things like getting people out to vote or the vaccines or staying home or wearing masks? Because I've followed threads on Twitter where you go back and forth with people four, five, six, seven, eight times, and it's not in a bad way. You're having a conversation, but we don't usually get that kind of interaction from the people who we follow on Twitter. Uh, I would say the vast majority of people, the vast majority are either in agreement or at least very uh, mature and, and, and cordial and responsible and, and uh, balanced and um, uh, respectful. It's the small handful, and I hate to sound cheesy or cliche, but it's just like everything we were taught even as kids or, or, or now as parents where you know, it's, it's that one or two, or it's that four or five that spoil it for the whole group and, and whatever. So um, the vast majority of people, the vast majority, again, either are in agreement or at the very least are respectful. And listen, I'm not sitting here saying that you should agree with every single sing thing I say. Um, I say it to my own family, to my wife, to my kids, whatever. Is like, we can have a conversation. Not everything has to be an argument, right? Like if I disagree with you or you disagree with me, we can, we can either choose to talk about it maturely and responsibly. We can, we can choose to just, you know, agree to disagree and leave it alone, or we can get belligerent with one another. And what's that going to do? And what's that going to solve? And where are we going to get with that? So I, I think for me, Julian, it's gotten to a point where I've never been, <laughs> I've never been shy to share my opinion, either professionally or personally in my personal life or, or uh, you know, in, in a professional setting. But I think what's really ultimately started to get to me is the people that just want to pick at a scab or pick a fight, or they want you to hear what they have to say. And there's a personal offense to it if they don't ultimately sway you to their side or, right. or, or you don't agree with them or whatever. And again, uh, listen, we could talk, we could literally do the entire podcast on this topic on this one question because I could honestly rant on this for for 20 to 30 minutes because I'm balanced enough to say there's somebody that just heard what I said and says well isn't that exactly what you're doing you're telling people to get vaxxed you're telling people to vote and if they don't do it then they're wrong it's like but this is where I approach it from I in my opinion there are a lot of things that are common sense in the world sure and there are a lot of things like like you just laid it out perfectly I don't know if you're vaxxed I'm, it's not my, you know, it's not my business. You, if you care to share, that's up to you. I am double vaxxed. I felt that that was the responsible thing to do, not just for myself, but for my family, for my neighbors, for my city, for my province, for my country, for the world, for society, for, for fellow human being. It was my responsibility to get vaccinated. Just as you said, it's your responsibility, all of our responsibility to get tested if we feel sick because God forbid we make our family, our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, society in general sick because of our um, irresponsibility of not getting tested or not being careful or not taking the precautions, et cetera. That to me is common sense. Guaranteed there's somebody that doesn't agree with that. Well, I'm not going to choose to either have that fight with you. I'll just ignore it. Or 
I might fire back and go, how can you possibly think that? How can you possibly think that it's, it's not irresponsible to not get tested and to potentially be out in society and giving your sickness to somebody else? Like, I don't understand that. But even on a much smaller level, and I think, you know, I, would, I, I don't know how old your kids are. Um, I've said this many times about work life, personal life, world issues, home issues, whatever it may be. I think we've gotten, and I don't know if it's social media and comment sections and, and uh, the access that we all have to everyone if we choose to, to, to attempt to access them and if we choose to engage in that access as well. I think we've gotten to a point where, and this is a line I've sort of used many times, unfortunately, gone is the question. And what I mean by that is too many people now take questions as questioning. Like right. you, you, you say something and I ask a question back and immediately you've got your guard up. Like you're on the defensive. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Just asking you a question. Yeah. Just looking for further understanding. Now, sometimes I might be questioning you. Sometimes I might be, you know, completely disagreeing and, and, and getting ready to get in a fight. But I might just legitimately be asking a question. Why did, you know, I made this decision, Eric. And almost like being a kid. Why? Well, why do you, why do you need to know? Why are you asking me why? It's like, I just, I literally, I, I don't, I'm just I'm curious. trying to understand like why I'm, it, I'm not saying it's a bad decision. I'm not, I'm just wondering why could you explain the thought process? And I think we're just, and, and again, maybe it's the last 18, 20 months where we're just all riled up and ready to blow. But I think that we're just uh, too often as a society looking to butt heads and, and, and looking to antagonize as a, and again, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound like I'm all, you know, you know, too philosophical and the world's great and everything's puppy dogs and flowers and rainbows and we should all just get along and da, da, da. But it's, it's, I just feel like we're, we're at a point where too many things are instantly let's antagonize, let's, let's needle, let's poke, let's jab, let's really get into it as opposed to, can we find a common ground or can we just agree to disagree? And, and um, I think I answered your question again in a very long winded way, but I, I think that that's kind of where I stand on, on a lot of the issues. Like to me, it's how many people, uh, I was born and raised in Canada. Um, right. so I've never had to face what so many other people have in the world where people that haven't been able to vote people that, that, you know, that are coming from, from war, war torn countries. We live in Canada. Use that right to vote, use that ability to vote, find somebody, even if, even if you, and I'll, I'll admit to you, and I, I don't think I said this publicly, but I, my wife and I had many discussions on this in the last month. In fact, I could show you a text I sent to my local MP because I actually know her, not know her well, but I know her. And, and we had, uh, I, did a, I did one of her podcasts almost a year ago as a guest. So I had her private information. And I wrote her and told her that I, for the first time in my life, I was almost convinced that I was not voting because wow. I did not know... Um, who to vote for. I really was not sure who I felt strongly about. Uh, and I could pick faults with just about every candidate available and was not sure where I was leaning. And she wrote me back. And to her credit, she did not push her party. Um, my wife got after me and did not like, I don't even know who my wife voted for. We didn't even get into it. Uh, she did not push her views like we are clearly as a married couple share many of the same <laughs> views and and outlooks and philosophies and everything else. I never told her who I voted for, but I ultimately did vote because the decision I made was and this is where I kind of say speaking to, you know, the person that might be pissed off that I tell them to vote or I tell them to take a vaccine or I tell, whatever it is, is 
even if you sat here and said, I don't like who the candidates are, I don't want XYZ running the country. Okay. But what's best for you locally then? Like, and, 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 and that's, again, we could get into yet another discussion, politically speaking, about how our political system is set up. But um, I would say, even if you, even if the person you're voting for ultimately is the person that you're trying to vote for, because they're the ones that take care of your backyard, your community, your section of your city. And so, you know, again, I, I don't want to say who I voted for. It, sure. It's to me, that's private type stuff. But if you were thinking of voting for PC, but the liberal candidate in your area was the better candidate for your area, or if you're like a staunch liberal, but you didn't love Trudeau and, and, and you're like, ah, do I want Trudeau's prime minister? Uh, well, but hold on a second. That NDP candidate in my riding really has a lot of great things to say. And I think he or she would be better for me there. So you know what? I'm not going to put in then the liberal vote for the leader. I'm going right. to put in the NDP vote, knowing full well that Jagmeet Singh probably did not have a great chance to win. But that NDP candidate in my riding is going to be really good for me, for my family, for my neighbors, for my community. And that's where I think at the end of the day, all these people that say, and I was one of them for the first time in my life, I was one of them that said, I'm not sure, but those people that ultimately decide to truly not vote, that's where I think they're wrong. You, you absolutely can and should find something about someone in some way, shape or form at the local, provincial, federal level that works for you, that aligns with you and not just go, I don't like Trudeau. I don't like O'Toole. I don't like Singh. I don't like any of them, so I'm not voting. There is a way to find something that you can attach to, something to align with your beliefs, even if you have to think again on a, on a smaller, more local scale, as opposed to thinking on a federal level. I, I, and I, again, I don't know that I'm right. I just think that that's the way that we should be um, approaching things like voting. And again, the vaccine thing, I just think that's, to me, common sense. I trust, if I've trusted doctors in every walk of life, and I've trusted science in every walk of life to this point, from broken bones to potential uh, you know, sicknesses and diseases and ailments and other vaccines and everything else and whatever, I'm not going to suddenly stop trusting doctors and science and start trusting what I'm hearing from uh, bloggers or anti-vaxxers or friends of friends on Facebook or whatever else. And if at the end of the day, uh, I'm wrong, well, then so be it. But I don't think I'm going to be wrong. And I and, and listen, I will say as well, and I'm not trying to sound like a know-it-all by any means, because I am not an expert. <laughs> I've never, never been a doctor, never played a doctor, never want to be a doctor, not smart enough to be a doctor. Hence the reason I trust the doctors that are. And a lot of my opinion and a lot of my views is not just me spewing off as Raptors broadcaster says, it's from having conversations with uh, doctors. Yeah. Uh, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, uh, again, I, I say this free of any, uh, whatever, arrogance or, or brashness or anything. Uh, I, could, I could tell you of at least four, if not five or six doctors that I have spoken to uh, and the access that I have to you know, training staff and trainers and medical officials connected to pro sports teams. I've talked to numerous people, numerous people over the course of the last 18 to 20 months, which has helped formulate my opinion, not just I read an article in a paper and I decided I'm pro-vax, anti-vax. I've talked to, again, many, many, many doctors and people in the medical profession. And that's how I've formulated my, my, my view and 
that's where I come from with it. Dr. Howard Petrov, uh, assistant team doctor for the Toronto Raptors, uh, good friend of myself. I, I'm friends with his, his kids. Actually had him on many episodes ago to actually talk about nice. the vaccines, and he shared you know, the medical research, he shared a lot of the same sentiment that you just did. You know, we break an arm or we break a leg or we have a sore throat and we're going to go to the doctors and we're going to get a prescription for medication, not knowing what's in the medication, but trusting that the medical advice we are seeking is from years and years and decades of research and understanding of the medical field. But for whatever reason, this whole COVID-19 situation had people just being like, well, you know what? I don't trust what the doctors are saying in this time. But if they go and they break their arm or leg, they're going to be like, yes, doc, I trust that surgery or rehab or whatever you suggest, I will follow to a T. I will do whatever you tell me to do. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm completely on the same page as you. I am double vaxxed. It is the responsible thing for me to do. And as far as voting goes, I'm glad you brought it up. You know, this was the first year in which I didn't vote, not because I chose not to, but unfortunately I started experiencing symptoms around Sunday and I wasn't going to put myself or other people at risk by trying to go out and vote. But I did encourage all of my family members to go and do so, especially those who, as you said, are not from Canada, from Mm -hmm. war-torn countries. My wife is from Afghanistan, so she voting for her. Uh, before we got married wasn't a thing. And she's been in Canada for almost you know, 15, 20 years now. But since we've been married, I said, listen, you need to understand, not just for you, but for our kids, it's so responsible for us to vote because there are issues that are going to affect us. Why put that in someone else's hand to determine what's best for what we want? Let's, yep. we, our guy may not win, but hey, listen, we're giving him or her a chance in order to be able to best represent us on any scale of government. So definitely responsible uh, thing to vote. It's our right. Not everybody in the world has that opportunity. So you might as well take advantage of the amazing things that people come to this country for. Let's not take those things for granted. Now, you started at Humber College way back in the day. You've been in the broadcasting game for 25 plus years at this point. At one point, did you realize, hey, I may not be these all-star athlete and get paid billions and billions of dollars. And you said, Hey, you know what? I have a passion for sports. I've been following it forever. How about I be the voice? How about I finally be a sports caster and make my way and contribute to sports in that uh, avenue? It came pretty early to be honest with you. And, 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 and that's, <laughs> I think it should probably come early for a lot of folks. I mean, when we sit and do the math, it, it, like I always marvel at, and and the numbers are slightly, I mean, right. very, 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 very slightly better for uh, hockey, baseball, and football simply because of roster size. But again, very slightly better, like, like a milla, you know, barely better. When you think of basketball and think of, you know, roughly 450 jobs, in the NBA, a little more than 450 now that they've increased the rosters, but basically 450 jobs for argument's sake. And two rounds of 30 in the draft every June or July. So it's 60, 60 potential players. Let's say even half of those make the league. 30 end up down in the G League, 30 end up staying overseas, whatever. But you're talking about 30, roughly, coming in every year, replacing 30 of the 450. 
Right. So every year, every year, there's roughly on average about 30 guys in the league that weren't in the league last year and 30 guys that are out of jobs. Yeah. Right. So the yep. odds of making how many people in the world now, how many like I don't honestly, I don't even I haven't kept up a world population. What is it, like seven billion or something? Probably just something over like that. that. Yeah. Something like that. So seven, let's just call it seven billion. I, we could probably Google it while we're sitting here, but seven billion people. And there's 450 jobs available. Well, I think it's pretty obvious or, or it should be obvious to a lot more people at a very young age that you're probably not going to be a professional athlete unless, unless it is like abundantly clear that you are beyond gifted and you are extremely special as an athlete. Um, I think that more young people, let alone more parents specifically, should be more realistic about um, what you want from your kid, what your kid wants from sports and what the ultimate path is. Like, do you need to be spending tens of thousands of dollars on um on rep on travel on private teams on on off you know off ice dry land training and all this for for like a for a for an eight-year-old for a 10-year-old or, or whatever Do you, you know it's just sports have become such a business and oh, such yeah. a money maker at such a young age and then gone julian is the is the days and i'm older than you but gone are the days of like Housley used to be good and very competitive, but now it seems like House League is kind of like, yeah, well, you're not in rep, you're not in travel, you're not in, you know, AAU, you're not in whatever. It's just, oh, House League. Like, no, House League used to be really good. Playing on a high school team used to be very good, but now, I don't, and, I'm, and I can't necessarily speak to this, my kid's not in high school, but from what I've heard from some other parents is even high school sports, is it, are they as competitive as they used to be? Because more often than not, a kid that might have been playing a high school, let's say hockey or basketball, well, maybe doesn't even try out or can't commit the time to the practices or to the games because he or she is too busy going to games or practices or training for their rep, for their travel, for their whatever. So I just think we've we've unfortunately um, diluted the sport while trying to make it and whatever or sports while trying to make it better. Again, sidetrack there for me personally. Um, I was, I was actually a better baseball player than I was basketball player. Baseball was my top sport in terms of my skill set. Uh, and, and I always say this is kind of like my Al Bundy, uh, you know, living on high school glory type story. I played four years of high school ball. Uh, I was honestly like the ultimate utility man. I might start half the games. I might come off the bench. I might be playing third base. I might be playing right field, center field, second base. Like I, I swear, I think I played every position one season other than pitcher. And uh, spray hitter, zero power. Like, I don't think I hit a home run. Well, not, I don't think I know I did not hit a home run in my high school baseball career, but spraying singles and doubles and decent speed on the base pass and whatever else. Uh, and that my, my only claim to fame, which is not a claim to fame at all was, uh, our, a, a kid on our high school team. Um, and honestly, I've never even looked him up like never until you just brought him up. Adam Brayson is the guy's name. And he was our starting in my last year of high school ball. He was the starting catcher for our team, and he was in grade nine. So for a grade nine kid to be starting at catcher, like this kid was good. He's a hell of a catcher. He could throw guys out from his knees, and he had power at the plate and everything else. And by the maybe about a quarter of the way into the season, we had scouts from uh, the Padres, oh, wow. the Rockies, the Marlins. We had There were three or four teams from major league teams that were watching our games. So 
I knew in any game I was playing, I'm playing in front of major league scouts. So it's like, if there's ever a chance, and there was <laughs> never, there was never a chance, but if there's ever a chance now is the time. And I had one of the scouts approach me uh, after one of the games and it was kind of like, Hey, I, you know, I like your approach in the field and I've seen, I've just been watching the way you interact with guys and da da da. And it turned out it was more just like a pep talk on like, right. you seem like you're a good teammate, <laughs> not like I'm interested in you or you have any skill or whatever. And it was like clear after about five minutes, it was clearly just like, Hey, you seem like you're a decent dude and a good teammate, not like you have any talent. Right. Um, and I asked him, I'm like, what, you know, what do you, what do you think about like, uh, you know, scholarship or any chances or whatever. And, and I can still remember the look on his face. Um, was uh, one that now I've I've become older and more mature to recognize it was sort of like, are you kidding me type look? And at the time, I, I didn't really, you know, process that he was ready to laugh in my face. Um, and he pretty much kind of let me off easy or let me down nicely and sort of said, um, actually, he did say point blank, no chance at Division One. Um, he's like, D2, uh, like maybe like a small hey. D- a D three school, a partial scholarship where maybe they're paying a portion of your tuition at a small school, maybe just a means to sort of get an education possible. Like again, yeah, I think it was like no chance even at a D three, even if there was a D seven, no chance. Um, and that's so I, again, I, I, I guess it was kind of fairly early in high school, let alone late in high school, that I knew there was zero chance. There was never a chance basketball. I was a decent player, but I was, again, I was a better baseball player than, than any sport. Um, and I just was lucky enough. And I've said this many times before. I'm surprised you and I didn't get into it the first time that, that we, we did this um, podcast. But um, I was lucky that I, I, I knew or I thought I knew at a fairly young age what I wanted to do. And it just so happened that it turned out that I was lucky enough that what I thought I wanted to do was what I wanted to do. And I ultimately was able to get to do what I thought I wanted to do, because I would say there's a ton of people. I don't care if you're watching right now that you're 14, 24, 34, 54, whatever age you are, there's plenty of people that think they know what they want to do. And then they go do it or they go get trained in it. And it's like, Oh shoot, this is not what I want to do. Or they think they know what they want to do. They get trained in what they think they want to do, but they never get a job in what they wanted to do and ultimately end up doing something else and either embrace the fact that they're doing something else or embrace the paycheck that comes with that and know that they never got to do their passion. Uh, and they, they kind of maybe go through life either sad or bitter or angry or just content with, Hey, you know what? I ultimately never got to where I thought I wanted or, or, or fulfilled my dream, but uh, I did another job that still put food on the table and put a roof over my family's head and, and I can find contentment in that and whatever. So again, I just, I say that I was just very lucky to, and I'm, I'm even going through with my, with my kid, you know, at a young age, he's still in, in elementary school, but um, he often will focus on, I want to do this when I'm older. And I've said to him, like, don't, I'm, I'm telling him, like, don't yeah. just focus on one thing, be open to many other things. Even though I know full well that I was that kid that kind of focused on one thing fairly early and it just worked out. And I and, and so I'm I'm guilty of not giving the same advice to my kid because I want him to have his mind and his heart and his head open to any number of things because I guess I just fear the letdown or the disappointment if you ultimately don't get to where you want to go or or don't get to that job that you ultimately aspire to or that dream that you ultimately have. Because unfortunately, I think that um uh, 
I'm the sort of, uh, I'm not the only one, but I'm one of few that is the exception to the rule in terms of somebody that's been, been able to um, uh, get to the point where, where I thought I wanted to, because I think there's a ton of people like my own, my own father, he's, he was a steel worker for 35 plus years. And I can remember multiple times, he's, he's still alive, but I can remember multiple times him saying like, you think this is what I wanted to do? I never wanted to be a steel worker. I wanted to be a teacher. I'm like, why didn't you ever go for it? He's like, had a family to feed, had a family to take care of. And this job paid well. And I just, you know, I stayed with it and this is what I did. And I just had to kind of put my head down and go to work. And, and how many people are doing jobs right now that they either don't love a lot or they maybe ultimately hate, but it serves a, a, a you know, a purpose or a, a means to an end or whatever. And they don't have the time or the, the money or the wherewithal to do a second job or do extra training or work extra hours or, or double shift or go back to school or whatever it may be. So I, I know I'm very lucky and very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people who started podcasts who, you know, want to get into sports journalism, but they're doing another job right now to pay yeah. the bills yeah, and yeah. get through school. And this may be the project or the passion, but, you know, there's very few companies, a lot of people downsize, especially over COVID. So getting breaking into that market, the traditional way is a little bit harder. But now there's so many yeah. different avenues that you can go to accomplish those goals. I mean, when I was growing up, um, I wanted to work for uh, for fan 590. I wanted to be an on air talent, talk about sports. Cause that's what I'd love to do. Now I didn't pursue it. I went to Humber college and then York and got my teaching degree. And that's also another passion that I had. I had multiple feelers out. So I wasn't, you know, so focused on one thing, but when the pandemic struck and I saw an opportunity where, Hey, let me reach out to, to this person. And then it snowballed into, okay, well, here's Eric Smith. Here's Tim McAuliffe. Here's Cabby, here's all of these amazing people who are willing to give me the time of day to just have a conversation about things. Sure. I was like, I can still do what I want to do and love it. Now, if that's for four people, whether that's for four million people, we all wish we could be, you know, Bill Simmons and have an amazing huge podcast. But for some of us, it's like, hey, just just do the work, and if it works out great, if it doesn't, you can at least say that you're having fun doing whatever yeah. you're doing. And yeah. you're the you're the anomaly to to be able to know what you want to do as a young man and then see it all the way through and, and have that achieved. So I don't blame, I can totally see why for, for your kids and I'll be the same way with mine. Keep an open mind because Absolutely. it doesn't always work out and we don't want you to be disappointed because we know that you were the exception and not the rule. Now we're coming up against time. So I want to ask you one quick question to get you out of here a little bit off the beaten path, but stick with me on it. <laughs> when people talk about sports movies, we often get lost in the amazing on-screen performances of the athletes. But there are certain movies where the broadcasters steal the show. You have Ranch Wilder from Angels in the Outfield, Pepper Brooks and Cotton McKnight from Dodgeball, Scott <laughs> Smalls from my favorite childhood movie, The Sandlot, Chuck Niederman in Necessary Roughness, and of course, of course the legendary Harry Doyle from Major League. Now, these are just to name a few. If you were to insert yourself into a sports movie as a broadcaster, which sports movie would you have been in? Wow, that, that is off the beaten path. Because I, I, I'll tell you, I tell you, I've never been asked that or never even and I've never even truly thought about it. Because oftentimes when we talk about sports movies, it's just what's your favorite sports movie? Right. Or what are your what are your top five favorite basketball movies specifically or hockey movies or whatever? 
So I've, I've honestly, and, and, and I don't want to ramble, ramble on again here. I've never thought about the broadcaster specifically. Um, I love movies. I, I, I love film and television in general, but I love movies and I love all genres of movies. So, you know, like I, I, when I think of my favorite sports movies, I often think of, of dramas like right away for me, remember the Titans and coach Carter come to mind as my favorite sports movies. I couldn't tell you who the broadcasters were in the very minor type broadcast scenes that were in those movies. Um, but I'm also a, a huge fan of comedy outside of, you know, dramas and, and thrillers and again, all movies. Um, so I, I guess you, I, I, I don't want to, at the risk of sounding repetitive, the one that pops into my mind more than any is the role that Jason Bateman had in Dodgeball. Uh, Cause just, it's, it's hilarious, right? It's, you know, with, with the, with the broadcast being on the Ocho and, and like yeah. that comes to mind dodgeball more than, than anything else. And in fact, I was just watching, who was it? Somebody, was it Nick Saban? Who, somebody just recently was even quoting, maybe it wasn't Saban. Anyway, somebody was recently quoting the, the duck dodge. I, I don't know. I can't remember what the third D is, but there's, and it's back to dodge again, right? Somebody was quoting that recently um, in a, in a post-game press conference. Um, so yeah, I guess I'd have to go with, with, with Jason Bateman. Cause it, like, honestly, one of the things that, that I, um, I think hasn't maybe come through in my career as much as perhaps as, as I would like it to. And this speaks to what we were talking about a little bit earlier, wearing those multiple hats as, as broadcaster, as friend, as dad, as whatever is, and I've always tried to be as genuine as possible on social media, on podcasts, on camera, on television, on mic, on whatever. So I never want to be accused of being like fake or phony or different or always oh, a different guy or he's whatever. And I've never, I don't put on Joe radio, Joe broadcaster voice. Like this is my voice. I don't suddenly like go in there and go, Oh, welcome. How you do it? Like it's, that's not who I am. This is me period. But in saying all that, most of my friends and my family would probably tell you that Eric's like this really sort of, uh, quirky, dry, sarcastic, uh, you know, uh, sense of humor. And I don't know that that necessarily translates into my radio broadcast or my radio shows. And I think that's because my shows aren't in that sort of setting or it doesn't call for that. So that's not to say that I'm not being myself and being genuine. It's just, you, you know, you have to know your, your audience and know your role and know your, your forum and, you know, do you want to tune into a Raptors broadcast and hear like, you know, cotton, or do you want to hear like a pro? Uh, do you want to hear yeah. sarcasm and, and, and edginess and snideness, or do you want to hear just a, a, a proper polished call of a game? So I, again, I don't know if I'm making sense in the way I'm describing it. I just think that sometimes I wish that I had the opportunity to, um, and that's why I love the, the podcast stuff, too, because you, you can hopefully get a sense more of somebody's personality when they're talking about life in general, not just sports. Like we've barely talked about the Raptors, if, yeah. if at all, on this podcast. We've talked about the Bills and, and, and football and vaccines and voting and movies and uh, social responsibility and, and school and, and education. We haven't really talked Raptors. And this, to me, shows a personality, a different side to somebody. That's why I've, I've enjoyed even when early pandemic, when I was doing my own sort of whatever podcast show on Instagram live and having various people on, because it's just the ability to have conversation. This is one of the, 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 one of my favorite things about, um, 
about the job in general, but about just the, 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 the rise of social media and the business in general. I love interviewing. Like I, if I could have, I, I love what I do. And if I can do what I'm doing for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years, maybe not 40, I'd be pretty damn old. Um, I would do it. I love it. But if I had a dream job, like dream, dream job, not that I don't have a hell of a good job. And again, if the bosses are watching, I'm not unhappy. I'm just saying in a pie in the sky, perfect world, I would have loved to have been David Letterman. I'd love to have a late night talk. Or even if it wasn't even a comedy, like, like uh, you know, if, if it, was, it was just purely a sit down interview show. My guest tonight is boom, like, like Letterman's latest show on Netflix. So it's not, it's not about coming out and doing your, your monologue and your stand-up and having little comedy bits whenever else. It's literally like, here's my guest. Here's his or her story. Boom, let's go. Maybe there's those little vignettes, those little side pieces where you walk to their house and you walk around you got or it's maybe just boom on a on a on a on a set on a stage with an audience and two chairs and just shooting the shit and having a conversation i love that stuff that's why i enjoy even being a guest probably why i ramble on as much as i do too but i enjoy even being on the other side and asking the questions and finding out about people's lives and their careers and their feelings on on you know the world in general not just the sport at which they're covering i think that's where we get to know um, you know, whether it's athletes, coaches, broadcasters, writers, fans, whomever they are, that's where we get to know more about people when we kind of can get them outside of their, their little box that they're in and allow them to just be people um, and not just confined to what they cover or what they talk about or what they do. And that's why I've always found it like the people that say like, oh, I don't want to hear what an athlete has to say about the pandemic. I don't want to hear what an actor has to say about the election. Like, why not? Like just because just because you're talking to them doesn't mean that they're experts, but their opinion is as valid as yours or mine or anybody else's as a voter, as a human being, as a member of society. So why wouldn't we ask them just like we would ask like call in shows and and interacting on social media? It's well, then I don't know, isn't I'm just pulling a name out of the sky, but isn't Brad Pitt's opinion on the election as valid as yours or mine or 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 Wayne Gretzky's, let alone the average Joe, let alone uh, some dude political analyst on 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 CNN or MSNBC. Yeah, because we're all just voters and we're all members of the society. So why not? Yeah, listen, 100% people tuning into this podcast are going to find out Eric Smith is a Buffalo Sabres fan. Congratulations on Owen Power. He is a talent uh, spending one more year at Michigan, but will be with the team shortly enough. Hopefully wins Canada World Juniors gold medal this coming uh, winter. Uh, they're going to find out that you don't own a Blue Jays cap or at least don't have one in your general vicinity at all times, even though you live in Toronto, that you actually grew up a Laker fan uh, as well. I mean, there's a lot of fun things that people... Magic Johnson, Magic Johnson right behind me. That's it. So, I mean, people are going to learn a whole different side of Eric Smith because if they want to know Eric Smith, the Toronto Raptor guy, well, listen, we're about a couple weeks away. They're going to get to hear you talk and tweet and post stuff all over social media about the Toronto Raptors because that is also what you are passionate about. So, if people want to follow you on social media, Eric, where can they find you? Uh, make sure you remember it's two underscores. Yes. So Sometimes people think that it's only one because they just see the line and they don't recognize that it's two. So I often just call it out as it is. Eric double underscore uh, Smith. So Eric double underscore Smith. And that's the same handle on Twitter and Instagram. I think it's the same handle on TikTok. I don't know. I signed up for TikTok a year ago and I 
I have yet to post anything on there. And maybe that's, maybe that's something that in, uh, in the 2021, 2022 season, I need to, uh, branch out even more into the TikTok world. That doesn't mean I'm going to be dancing, but is, are there things that I can create within TikTok? So that's, that's another realm. And it's kind of just become my handle double underscore. Cause there's so many damn Eric Smiths in the world that I had to, uh, find something that that wasn't taken so eric double underscore smith off air i will give you what i think are some solid solid suggestions and pitches for your tiktok account that i think will All be right. amazing but awesome like eric thank you very much for doing this i know we've been trying to schedule this for quite some time finally able to do it it was an amazing time uh thank you for for dedicating the last you know, hour to doing this. Uh, the Big O Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, so make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Also available on Spotify, Google Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. With full episodes available on YouTube, so go ahead, subscribe, hit that notification button to keep up to date with all future episodes. For my amazing guest Eric Double Underscore Smith, I'm your host Julian Ortiz. Thank you for watching and listening, everyone. We'll see you next time.